Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, uh, we're going to make a little list. We've done this before. I don't know if this exact list we've done before. We're going to make a list. You make it in your head. You can write down. I don't really care. I'm not going to check. But your list is this. Uh, What are all the biggest problems that you have in your life? just... Maybe, maybe you don't need to make a complete list. And just list the, the main problems that you have in your life, like the, the most important issues that you have, the first things that come to mind. Those are probably the ones, at least according to your conscience, that are the most important. And that's kind of what we want to get at. What does my conscience think is the most important things going on in my life, the most important concerns that I have in my life? As you're making this list, I can probably guess some of the things that are on there. Something having to do perhaps with physical health, something perhaps to do with money, something perhaps to do with employment or reputation, contentment, death. But what is very likely not on your list but should be, and should be right at the top of the list, is sin. The the most important, the most pressing issue that we have is not an external thing. It's not whether we're going to get sick. It's not whether we're going to die. It's not if we have enough money. It's not what our reputation is like. Nothing like that. It is our sin. Because it turns out, all those other issues that we're concerned about are products of our sin. So if we can fix the root, then we can fix the results of them as well. And this is what Jesus is showing us in this marvelous text in the gospel, this, this healing of the paralytic, that the chief issue that we have is not external, it's internal. The chief issue that we have is not any sort of ailment that we have. It is our sin. It's a rather interesting scene that unfolds here. You've got Jesus is in this house and he's teaching. If you go into Mark and Luke, uh, this is where you get the details that everybody's pressing in on him. So there's no room. So this is the picture. He's in a house and he's just surrounded by people everywhere around him. There's people like standing at the window, like leaning in and standing at the doors and all around the house is just surrounded. You can't get in. And so there's these guys that come with a friend of theirs who's a paralytic, and they know they need to bring him to Jesus because they know Jesus can fix him. They know Jesus can undo his paralysis. But they can't get in the normal means, so they climb up the the side of the house and onto the roof, and they start peeling back the top of the, the roof 
Uh, you can imagine there's probably a bit of commotion when this happens because there's like pieces of the roof falling on the people that are inside. That's obviously a little bit disconcerting. And then they all of a sudden you look up and there's this thing that's being lowered down, this cot. And then it gets to the bottom, there's a guy in it. And when the cot hits the ground, his arms and his legs, they just flop to the side because he has no control over his body. And Jesus looks at him and he does what everybody doesn't expect. You know what every single person in that room, what his friends that have brought him, everybody standing outside the house, everybody has the exact same expectation here. That Jesus is going to touch the man's arm and tell him that he's healed, or he's simply going to command him, get up and, and be well, something. Then he doesn't do that. He looks at the man, and he looks past his infirmity, and he sees the deeper root. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And people are not only taken aback by this, but some there in the group are seemingly rather upset. And Jesus, seeing also into their hearts, asks them this question, why do you think evil in your hearts? Is what, why do you think that I've somehow not done something great for this man? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or rise, take up your bed and walk. And we have to note here that he says what's easier to say, not what's easier to do. That's an important distinction. Because the easier thing to say is your sins are forgiven. Because if you say your sins are forgiven, there's no way to validate that. There's no way to prove that something just happened. If you say, rise, take up your bed, and walk, and the guy doesn't rise, take up his bed, and walk, then obviously the words didn't work. The doing is an entirely different thing. It turns out that the rising and taking up the bed and walking is significantly easier than the forgiving of the sins. Because the forgiving of the sins takes the death of God himself. The forgiving of the sins doesn't simply take a word. It takes the fullness of the Lord's love poured into Christ on the cross as he bleeds for the sins of the entirety of the world. Those are two very different things. Now Jesus, who overflows with mercy, doesn't just leave it at your sins are forgiven so that the people would know that the Son of Man does, in fact, have the authority to forgive sins, he says another thing to prove it. Rise, take up your bed and walk. And the man gets up, and he's healed instantly. At his word, he's done. And this is something that we've talked about in a great amount of abundance recently, but it is an important note of the Scriptures. That's what we call the performative word, that when Jesus speaks... When the Lord speaks, it happens. He doesn't need to say, I'm going to go do this, and then he goes and gathers up the tools and starts building whatever. He doesn't 
say, I'm going to heal you, and then he gives him like this special herb or medicine or something like that. He simply speaks, and what he speaks happens. And it's very different from us. We comment on the reality. If I walk into the room and I say, there's light in here, I'm commenting on the fact that light already exists. The Lord, on the other hand, creates the light by speaking. He says, let there be light, and it happens. If I come into a hospital room and there's been a wonderful diagnosis that uh, the person is now cancer-free, I can make the commentary, God be praised, you're cancer-free. But I have not enacted any sort of reality. I've simply commented on it. Whereas the Lord simply says, be healed. And it's done. And the same is true for your sins. The Lord speaks and your sins are forgiven. They are gone. The question is, how exactly this happens? The Lord says, let there be light, and it happens once. It's done. The Lord says, be healed, all throughout the Gospels, and it's done. We don't hear that voice any longer, though he still is active in the healing of humanity. But what about your sins? How, where, do you hear that voice? And hopefully, you already kind of have the answer floating around in your mind. This is a small catechism, confession absolution, the office of the keys, that when we hear the words of the pastor, we are to hear the words of Christ himself as he says, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, because this is the promise of Christ. Whosever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. It's not they might be forgiven. It's not I hope they're forgiven. They are forgiven. Jesus is speaking through the absolution, through the voice of the pastor. It's Jesus' voice that you are to hear there. And when he speaks, it's done. Now we have this in every divine service, the very beginning of the service. We always start this way. We confess our sins. And I turn around and I make this declaration to you as a called and ordained servant of the word and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins. And that is again, the Lord's forgiveness, not mine. And you should know, you have no doubt that those words are true and they are for you. If we had time, the better practice would actually be for me to name like every single person sitting in here when we do that. That way it was even more clear that it is for you personally, that forgiveness. But it still is the full and complete forgiveness of all your sins, and you should know that. But as it turns out, our consciences don't really like to cooperate with us very much, especially in terms of the forgiveness of our sins. And so we have to be reminded of it. That's why we have it at the beginning of every service. That's why we pray for it in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses. That's why we have what is called in the Confessions, the mutual conversation and consolation of the brethren, that you can declare to one another that your sins are forgiven and encourage one another in that reality, and you should. But there is another gift that the Lord has given to us, and we've talked about this, but it's a good reminder. We have this in our hymnal. It's on page 292. It's the service, the rite, of individual confession absolution. This is where you come in, it's you and I, and you confess your sins. 
and you actually give a name to the thing. It's not a general confession. I have sinned in thought, word, and deed. It's, this is what I've done. This is what is bothering my conscience. And it's not a full enumeration of sins. It is what is bothering you. It is what your conscience is nagging at you that, yeah, all those other things are forgiven, but not that thing. If pastor knew about that thing, then he wouldn't announce to you the forgiveness of sins. God might have forgiven you those other things, but he's certainly not going to forgive you for that. That is just too bad. That is too evil. That is too unchristian. That's what the devil does to us in our conscience. And so we have this wonderful gift where you can come in and you can say these things, you can enumerate these sins, not so that you can be further chastised, but so that you can know with the full assurance of God's word that you are indeed forgiven of your sins, that you would hear again the voice of Jesus, I forgive you. Because the Lord knows what happens when we bottle our sin up, when we, when we don't say anything about it. This is what he says in Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, when I didn't confess, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And the Lord yelled at me. That's not how the psalm goes. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you know the second part of that because it's in our liturgy. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. The entire reason why the Lord has us confess our sin is so that he would forgive it. So that he would cover it with the blood of Jesus. So that he would drown it in the depths of the sea. So that he would move it as far as from the east as from the west. So that he would nail it to the cross with Jesus and bury it in his grave. That's why we confess our sin. Not so that we can be tut-tut by the pastor, so the pastor can like know all of our intimate details or anything like this. Uh, I've told a few of you this. I might have preached this before. I don't remember. But just as a, as a note, there is this temptation to believe that if I told pastor this, then you know, he would think like so poorly of me. You know, he'd like shun me. He'd never speak to me again. Um, so here's the reality is I know you're a sinner. That's it. I'm not surprised. It doesn't matter what particular form, what particular name comes along with your sin. It's sin. And it's died for by Jesus. It's forgiven. And my entire duty there is to be the voice of God that we just heard in Psalm 32. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. That's my job in confession. To forgive. To announce that forgiveness that belongs to you from Jesus. And so this is, if, if you've never gone through this, this is the entire response in the right. You confess your sins, and I say, God, be merciful to you and strengthen your faith. Do you believe that my forgiveness is Christ's forgiveness? Let it be for you as you believe. As a call, let it be so for you as you believe. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, go in peace. That's it. That's all I've got to say. I might sing to you, though fair warning. But it is chiefly just the declaration that your sins are forgiven in Christ. 
That's what it's for, to ease your conscience, to know for certain that you are forgiven, that you are at peace with God, that you are given the eternal inheritance of Christ. Not a maybe, but a certainty. At that moment, as it's uttered, that reality takes effect every single time. And because of that, in that place, at that time, it becomes what our father Jacob spoke of. This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven, because that is where sins are forgiven and eternal life is bestowed. And that is what you have every single time you confess your sins, whether corporately or individually or in the Lord's Prayer. That is the gate of heaven, because your sin is forgiven. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.